G'day. It's a beautiful day here in Australia. Not a cloud in the sky. Every time I say that, I think of the Simpsons episode where I think Homer says there's not a cloud in the Simpsons sky. I am between jobs at the moment, so I'm having a spot of lunch, and I thought it would be the perfect time to record episode 15 of my little humble podcast called Imperial Rebel Orc Podcast. On today's show, I'm talking photography. Pick up the brushes, pick up the paints, pick up the models and crank the music because it's time for The Imperial Rebel Orc Podcast. Now, I just want to put a little disclaimer out there, not to uh, lead you down the garden path, as it were. I am not a photographer. So putting my hand high up in the sky and saying, hey, I, Luke, aka Eero, am not a photographer at all. I'm not a paid, professional, trained photographer in any sense. What I am, though, is proud of the little... uh, little miniature pieces that I create, the ones that I build and the ones that I paint, of course. Yeah, there's a level of feeling, a sense of pride once I've finished them. Um, I, I can always see the faults. I can always see where I could do better next time and all that kind of thing. But, you know, like I've mentioned in previous episodes, I have my display cabinet for a reason, and that's to show these little miniatures off to people, for the people that <laughs> rarely are interested, that is as well as displaying my little pieces of art in uh, the display cabinets at home. I also, of course, like to take photos of them for my blog and for my Instagram, uh, like many of you do as well, of course. And for me, the photography is such a key element of the whole thing. What's the point in pouring your little heart and skills into this 28 millimeter miniature, or whatever scale you're working with, and then just taking a shitty photo, just plonking it on the bench and going, click, that'll do. Uh, Yeah, to me, that's kind of backwards. That's like writing a a poem and then putting a big black line through it. You know, like it's like, why do that? Why not present it as best you can? Now, as I say, I'm not a photographer, but you know what? I'm not a professional podcaster or radio personality either, but (laughs) I still try my best to make this podcast as snappy and as informative and fun as possible. So therefore, I try to do that with everything in my life and especially when it comes to my beloved hobby. Now, what I'll do as far as explaining my process at least is take you through the stages. So the stages for me being the setup the actual photo taking, and then the editing of the photos. Okay, so first things first, the setup. What is the setup? In my opinion, the setup is like you're you're doing a movie, right? So you need props, you need a backdrop, um, and you need lighting, all that kind of stuff. So yes, you're only, you know, you're taking photos of little tiny things, but as I said before, there's something to be said about, you know, like not just sticking them on a bench or a tabletop and just going click. I think you don't want to see, you know, hands in the background or the kitchen or people or, um, I don't know, your dog or something. I mean, maybe you do. As I always say, each to their own. But for me, I want to display them as best I can and in, in the right sort of setting for that particular miniature as well, if that makes sense. Now, as an example, let's take my recent Hellgate project. I've taken some photos of uh, some finished models and put them up on Instagram and also on the blog. Uh, a particular warband 
something called the Trench Pilgrims. Look them up if you if you care to see what they're all about. Um, so what I did, I already had some terrain that I'd been working on, which which suited the particular aesthetic of the of the or the theme of Hellgate, which is a burning red hot planet. So the terrain is all painted in sort of dark russet tones, um, red and dark umber, burnt umber, that kind of thing. But also some um, darker greys and splashes of you know even blood red type looking things too. So that's that's my backdrop but well let's say that's the that's the mid ground so you've got your foreground mid ground background of course that's my the terrain is what i would say is my mid ground the background is basically usually what i use is is just a black backdrop because everything contrasted against black always looks great in my opinion um yes you can do i've done things like dioramas or even just you know photo setups where i've i've actually printed out backdrops printed out um pictures of forests or uh starscapes or just different types of landscapes and that can really really add some depth to your photography to your you know you've got this little model standing there and and roughly in the background all these desert sort of sand dunes yeah it really gives a, a cool look to the to the finished photo but in the case of these most recent pictures i've taken uh, i went with just a just a black backdrop and as i said it can work it works really really well so the so the mid ground we've got that terrain the background we've got the black right then positioning of the the miniature is key all right so you want to you want to make it i mean yes it's all fantasy but you want to make it look like a it's in a realistic sort of position or setting you don't want it you know, um, balancing, teetering on the edge of something where it looks like it could easily drop or, you know, like you want it to look like it's wandering through a wasteland or it's exploring a castle or um, it's climbing, it's climbed on top of a, a broken down tank, you know, like give it, give the scene a bit of character. Uh, yes, if you just want to display the model, there's nothing wrong with just having it on a black surface with a black backdrop, but I'm talking about how I approach things, and I like it to just be the picture to tell a story. You know how, uh, what, what's that phrase they say, a picture can tell a thousand stories or something like that? That's kind of, yeah, that's kind of my approach uh, to the photography of miniatures. I want it to really speak. I want it to really, the, the viewer to look at it and go, I, like imagine they can be there in that particular scene or that setting, you know? Okay, so step two to the approach of photography is taking the actual photos. Now, a common mistake, oh, not mistake, you know, I'm trying to be careful here because there's no rules, like whatever works for you is fine. I'm just, you know, I'm just really sort of pushing home how I go about things. And in my opinion, when people take a photo of a miniature, they often take it from their own height. Like, so they, they've got the miniature on the table and they're sort of aiming at the miniature with their phone or their camera from slightly above, like a 45 degree angle from the miniature, if that makes sense. And yes, that can look okay. But for me, I wanna get to, again, to sort of really stamp home that that feeling of you're there with it, you're, you're in the scene with the miniature, with the creature or whatever it is get down to eye level with the miniature so get right down i'm i'm a tall fella i'm six foot two and a half um <laughs> every every inch matters um 
So I'll get down on my knees and sort of crouch, and I must look like a complete pillock, but <laughs> but <laughs> it's worth it in my opinion. Like the kids and the wife walk past me and go, ah, oh, Dad, what are you doing? Oh, you're taking photos of your little guys again, right? Like, they, you know, people think I'm nuts. Anyway, so I get down to eye level, eye level with the miniature. So you're talking a 28 millimeter miniature. Now, obviously, it's better to have this set up on a table, um, not on the floor, because <laughs> that would be even worse for you to try and lay down and take photos, but I've seen it done. Um, but so get down to eye level, I drop down to my knees and um, the other thing I do is I'll take photos sort of all the way around and I'll turn the miniature and all that kind of thing too. But the other thing I do is sometimes go slightly below the miniature. So what I do, I put the miniature and the setup very like close to the edge of the table and then slightly, ah, it's really hard to explain, but slightly go lower than the table and point the camera up at the miniature. Does that make sense? Can you picture what I'm trying to explain? Um, so instead of that, you know, like I said, instead of that 45 degree angle down on the miniature, I'm actually going under uh, the, the eye line and yeah, only slightly going under, not a 45 degree angle, just slightly. And what that does, it actually makes your miniature look more ominous, looks bigger on the screen. It actually looks, there's a certain sort of like standover type look to the to the miniature. And that doesn't work with all miniatures I've found. Um, but if you're, if you've, you know, built a monster, um, I, like recently, again, with the, my trench pilgrims, there's a, there's a character there, an Aubrey, a, a, a giant. And with him, I sort of went a bit lower to give it even more of an impression of of how big and humongous and brutish she is. And, it, and it's just a trick of the eye, really, but it actually works really, really well. Now, I don't use a camera. Um, I actually have, or my wife has an SLR camera, which is a really nice camera. But call it laziness, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with what I achieve with just my iPhone. So I have an iPhone hmm, 10, I think it is. And for me, that does everything I need. Yes, I could do, and I've seen it done on Instagram and on YouTubes and stuff where they've got really fancy um, uh, cameras with the long lenses, and that's brilliant. That's that's. I'm not knocking that. Don't get me wrong. That's that's awesome. And they've got like a permanent setup where they always put their miniatures and the, the cameras, you know, focused in perfectly, and they've got a tripod and all the lighting and all the baffles and all that kind of stuff. Very impressive, but. Yeah, not really my bag. Like, it's not my, um, I don't know. Like, for me, any spare time I've got is dedicated to painting and building and stuff like that or possibly playing a game. I don't want to spend hours with the photography setup. I don't want to, you know, that's not my thing. I enjoy it. I really do enjoy it. And I'm happy with the results I'm getting from just using an iPhone. But the trick is, now, this is an old trick, but you probably, if you've got an iPhone, you probably know this trick. When you... You don't want to get too close to the miniature because it will go fuzzy. Um, but you can. There's a certain spot. There's a sweet spot, <laughs> and I don't know the exact distance, but there's a sweet spot where you get. And all you do is hold the camera very still. You can use a tripod. I haven't got one, but you can certainly use a. Tri you can buy those special tri tripods for your phones. Um, just focus in on to focus in even more on the miniature. Just tap the screen. Tap the screen once and it will naturally focus in. It generally focuses in 
the where the head or the face of the miniature is as well, which is obviously that face recognition technology, which I don't really understand, but it's a cool thing because you the clarity that you can achieve is actually really cool just for you know, taking photos of a miniature. The other thing you can do as well, which I did dabble with this, but I found it a little bit, the, the particular app that I got was a bit clunky. You can actually get the, um, oh, I've forgotten the, the term now, micro, oh, what's the term? Hang on, I'll look it up. Ah, I was close. It's not micro, it's macro, macro photography. You can actually get apps for your phone that um, are purposely designed for macro photography. So uh, essentially, microscopic photography, taking photos of bugs, taking photos of rocks or whatever you want. But you can also use those, of course, for taking photos of miniatures. And as I say, they, they can work really well. Um, but I just, yeah, the one I had, I can't remember the name of the one I had, but I just found it a little bit clunky and just difficult to sort of use. So I sort of gave up on it and just went back to, you know, just tapping the screen, screen to focus and all that kind of thing. Get a bit arty with your shots as well. When I say arty what i mean is like try different angles try from almost you know from their feet looking up or from the top of them or their the back of their head or from have have a uh, a miniature sort of inside a building and take a photo from the window of that building so the outer window of that building so you've got this kind of blurred um, windowsill or window frame and then the miniature is in focus in the middle of that. Does that make sense? Like just try to get a little bit tricky, try different setups and just have fun with it. That's all I really do. Okay, so stage three is an important stage for me and one that I feel some people possibly overdo sometimes when they don't mean to. So what I'm talking about is editing your photos. Now, let me be clear, if you purposely want to have something really arty, like for instance, the Hellgate thing I've been doing for some of the um, work in progress uh, shots, when they're you know just basically raw plastic, plas uh, grey plastic, I've been doing some sort of, uh, well, arty sorts, sorts of stuff where I've like put a red filter over the photo um, to make it look hot, to make it look burnt, because like I said, the, the whole uh, theme for this project is that it's a hot planet. So if, if you want to purposely go down that path, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. But if you're just editing the photos to show off the raw miniature, don't get don't go overboard with all the filters and stuff because you can really take away from how the miniature actually looks. And believe me, I've been guilty of this. I, I In the earlier days, I used to worry that my paint job wasn't good enough, so I kind of like saturate it too much or, you know, like to try and um, compensate. And that's just silly because really the only way you can get better as a painter is by looking back at your work and going, oh, I should have done this with this one and then, and then improving, you know, like just practicing and improving. So don't, essentially don't cheat. Like don't, don't cheat yourself with the photos. So what I do now is after I've taken all my shots and I'll take quite a few, I might only put up, you know, four or five or maybe up to 10 on Instagram and the blog, sometimes I put a little bit more, a bit of a photo dumper, whatever you call me. Um, but you know, I actually take <laughs> a whole lot more because then I've got, it's better to have it and not need it rather than need it and not have it. That's my like philosophy with life. So I'll take a whole bunch of photos. Then I'll sit down with a nice cup of tea, have a bit of a breather because you've, you've been busy, you've been in the zone taking all these photos. Get your head out of the space for a bit and make a cup of tea. Then 
sit down somewhere quiet where you're not going to be distracted, which is difficult with me because I've got three children. <laughs> but, you know, late at night, whatever. Find a little quiet space and get your head back in the game and really look at every photo and just think, what does it need? Now, as I say, you don't need to go overboard, okay? So all I do, I adjust the brightness a little bit. For instance, if the photos, it's very simple. If the photo's far too bright because the sunlight or the, the lights that you had on it, um, then you should just, just take it back a little bit. Just bring the glare back a little bit. Then I go to contrast. Now, contrast <clears throat> is the way I explain it, is basically sharpening the image up a little bit. So if you've got a slight blur or if you've got a, uh, how do you explain? Like it gives a bit more depth to the creases in a cloak, for example. Um, it slightly darkens it a little bit more so you can really see those brighter colors pop and the darker colors uh, draw back uh, a lot more, if you know what I mean. Then we go over to, I, I go to um, warmth sometimes, give it a little bit of warmth, but only rarely. It's only if, only if the, um, the photo looks far too, has far too much white in it. Like sometimes I'll just warm it up ever so slightly. I'm talking maybe 5%, if that. Um, and then I'll go to saturation. Saturation is quite a useful tool because it, it brightens and makes the, um, uh, not brightens, but makes the colors more vivid. So stronger, more vivid colors. But again, don't overdo it because it can quickly turn into a cartoon. And unless you want a cartoon, <laughs> I'd, I'd be careful with saturation. Just a little bit goes a long way, that's for sure. Um, then I'll pretty much, that's pretty much it as far as mucking around with the colors and the brightness and stuff like that. Um, but then what I like to do is add a, uh, a vignette. So giving it a shadow, not on all the photos I do, but on a lot of them. If you give a slight shadow, around the whole outside of the photo, then it makes the person viewing the photo, it makes their eye focus more on the miniature, so more on the centered um, item, whatever that, whatever that is, whether it's a miniature or a piece of terrain or whatever, but it will draw your eye in naturally. Think of it as looking down a dark tunnel at a bright light. Now, hopefully that, <laughs> that doesn't happen anytime soon for you guys, but you know, like, it's that uh, tunnel vision, I suppose, if you want to call it that. One other thing I do actually, and I should have said this um, at the start of stage three, is um, I crop it. So, you know, like I said, you take a whole bunch of photos and, and you've, got to, you've got to crop out sometimes. There might be a corner where you've, you know, picked up a, there's a corner of a book or something like that. You don't want that in there. So you, you, you got to crop that stuff out. Um, if there's a, a big chunk of light coming from somewhere, you can also crop it down to, to eliminate that light source as well, um, which is a handy little thing. Um, the other thing as well, when it comes to cropping and sizing, I'm a big fan of balance. Uh, so when you're looking at something, and this is really hard to explain because I think it's one of those things that you've either you either see it or you don't. Because I've shown other people when they don't really get it. Maybe it's just some little crazy quirk that I've got. But the photo needs to have balance. What I mean by that is the photo has to have balance between the things you're looking at. So there might be the miniature in one corner. That's okay, like it doesn't have to be centered. It can be in one corner, but the other corner has to have an equal amount of uh, visual interest. And that could be, believe it or not, that could be just black mass 
You know what I mean? So he could have a, a, a stunning little picture of a miniature in the middle, uh, sorry, in the bottom right-hand corner, and then the rest of the photo is just ominous blackness, darkness, you know? That works because that black, that big chunk of black, balances out the tiny little miniature in the corner. I hope that makes sense. It's actually really, really difficult to explain via this podcast. <laughs> I'll have to show you. Okay, and one more thing I failed to mention, which I suppose would be in stage one, the setup, um, is lighting. Lighting is is critical. Now, a lot of people will say natural light is the best light, which I've definitely found it is, but it needs to be a certain light. It can't be a, like in Australia, we get a lot of hot sun, especially during the summer. So that doesn't work because there's far too much glare. I find that the best lighting outside, if you're taking your photos outside, is gloomy, is um, overcast, is, is daylight, but, you know, um, cloudy and a bit gray in the sky. That's honestly such a nice, clear light to work with. But if you're working inside, and mostly I do because I'm taking my photos, you know, in the dead of night when everyone's sleeping and I'm left to my own devices. Um, there I am, got my knees taking photos of these little tiny dudes. Um, I find that just the normal like ceiling light is fine, but then you often need a light that's um, uh, sort of not directed straight at the minis because you get too much glare, you get too much shine on their surfaces, even if you've got matte painted miniatures you know in a matte uh, varnish or whatever you're still going to get a bit of shine off them so i direct say i've got the overhead light which is just the ceiling light um and usually a warm light is is preferable um i'll have a lamp as well but it's just directed away so you're still getting the glow of the lamp but you're not getting the direct light of the lamp i hope that makes sense too it's actually yeah it's been tricky to explain photography to be honest but um i'm having fun doing it and i hope i hope it's given you a few pointers maybe and um and maybe a little bit of an insight into how i get my photos done despite not being a photographer myself i actually really 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 enjoy the photography part of the the hobby um especially the setup because i suppose it's <laughs> i suppose it takes me back to my childhood and setting up my my soldiers on that rug and all that kind of thing but yeah i really enjoy getting the photos just right getting the mood the vibe of the of the the whole scene just right if you want to see some of my photography obviously jump jump over to my Instagram, which is Imperial Rebel Orc, and also on my blog, which is the WordPress one, which is Imperial Rebel Orc as well. Um, if you go to the blog, uh, look up uh, Fembruary Challenge 2020, and uh, yeah, you'll see some some of my more prouder uh, photographs of miniatures. I did a diorama um, of my three girls, actually. Um, and some zombies. So <laughs> go go check that one out. That one actually does have a really cool backdrop as well. It's the Imperial Rebel Org Podcast. You are listening to Imperial Rebel Orc Podcast with me, Luke, aka Eero. Today, the hobby spotlight is on a chap called Alex. I know him as Alex, um, but his website is Balloony. Dot com. Not sure why it's called Lead Balloon. I know he likes his lead miniatures. Maybe he likes balloons as well. Or maybe he thought the whole thing was going to go down like a lead balloon, like Led Zeppelin. <laughs> um, but it certainly hasn't gone down like a lead balloon. It's gone. His blog has gone from strength to strength to strength, let me tell you.
Much like Woodoo Gas uh, and his blog Convert or Die, who I did a hobby spotlight on back in oh, episode two or three, I think it was, uh, I found Lead Balloony in the early days of my blogging life back in two, early 2015. And right from the word go, I was captivated by his work. Back then, he was painting up a lot of um, rogue trader-type uh, miniatures, like pirates and stuff like that. All very quirky stuff, and all stuff that, back then, I had no clue about. Like, I really, I didn't know what rogue trader was. Um, I, I was looking at his miniatures. One of them, um, <laughs> I remember, very, very cool. Uh, eight ball, where the whole head or helmet was just a little like eight ball, like a black eight ball from a game of pool. Very cool. Um, yeah, he had all these weird and wonderful characters painted brilliantly, let me say. Like he is he is a master painter. I know he's probably like, if he listens to this, I know he's probably um, squirming because <laughs> he, yeah, he's probably he probably doesn't quite rate himself as highly as other people rate him. But let me tell you, he, he is a master painter. He's very diverse too when it comes to painting. He can paint like a human. He can do like brilliant flesh tone and all that kind of thing. But then he can paint like space frogs or um, these TikTok men he did, which were just fantastic. So he's good with rust. He's good with metals. He's good with, um, yeah, as I say, flesh tones and the highlights on these miniatures are just, uh, just sublime. The detailing he manages to achieve. Um, he did uh, oh, back, I think it was... I think it was 2015 or 2016, he did a chap, uh, an old school sort of space marine with um, with a, a big shield with art, the artwork, the freehand artwork on this shield, just phenomenal. Like just, you just go, what? I am never going to be anywhere on par with this guy. Like <laughs> it's so good. It's actually unbelievably good, his freehand. Actually, I just looked it up because I think you guys need to go and look for this yourself. The character I'm talking about with the freehand shield is called Fenello the Paladin, or Paladin, I'm not sure how you say that word. Um, and the artwork is based on a John Blanche picture called The Kindred. Now, if you, I'm sure listening to this podcast, you know how small a shield is for a, a space marine or, or one of our, you know, hero scale miniatures. And to recreate any kind of artwork really is cool. Like even, I even struggled just doing a, a red cross of St. George, you know, <laughs> but to, to actually paint a picture, like I've even online, I've seen people do things like the Mona Lisa on a, on a, on a pauldron or something like that. It's, it's just phenomenal. But Alex's freehand, his work in, in that regard is just, ah, oh, it's just so, so cool. So go and look up that, go, leadballoony.com type in Fenello and you should find him um, it's yeah really really cool guys much like myself he's a big fan of conversions as well he um, he really gets stuck in and as I mentioned before the TikTok men if you go look up those guys um, yeah there's done some really cool stuff with cogs and bits and wires and bits and pieces actually inspired me to um, think outside the square a bit and think oh go on, go on eBay and look up watch parts and use things like that for my miniatures too so he was the first one to sort of get me thinking yeah like outside the square not don't just use bits from the kit 
but or from other kits, but use random bits and pieces from wherever. One of my all-time favorite conversions of his is, is one he did uh, before I started following him, actually. It was back in 2014 for his Praetorian Guard Army called the 215th Dauntless. I'll be talking about those guys in a little, little bit more detail in a minute. Um, yeah, the Praetorian Tripod he built, um, which is so, so cool. Um, you have to go and look that up on his website. Um, my words aren't going to do it justice. So what I'll do is uh, I'll read a bit of the fluff that he put into the into the post. You are listening to Imperial Rebel Log Podcast. The tripod was the ingenious Praetorian solution to the need for an agile mode of travel across the blasted wastes of their home planet. These machines are used widely among the mining unions of the hive world but the idea of weaponizing the rugged frame was first conceived many centuries ago by chief engineer Mulvaney after he saw imperial knights in action on a distant campaign lacking the bulk of a knight the tripod chassis was not ideally suited to carry conventional imperial ordnance and Mulvaney struggled to get a useful weapon system mounted on the machine Undaunted, he began experimenting with an obscure system that delivered huge electrically generated kinetic blasts of the mining industry on Praetoria. With some adjustment and experimentation, Mulvaney managed to achieve a performance comparable to the standard weapons of the time, and he completed this firepower with the addition of smaller anti-personnel versions of the system, a huge power blade and localised force field projector, also adopted from the mining cartels. <laughs> Brilliant. I don't believe he's painted the tripod yet, but um, so it's only been, what, six years? <laughs> so, so like the rest of us he's probably got a million and one projects that he loves to start and not quite finish but he is fairly i'd say he's fairly prolific not as prolific as i'd like him to be i'd be happy with a post every day from this fella because he's so good um but you know roughly once a week i think he's putting something out there um more recently he's been doing the um some dreadnoughts from orcs uh which are which are deaf dreads are they called deaf dreads um yeah really oh man you got to see these big chunky comical but scary rust buckets with crab-like claws and big guns and oh yeah everything you want orky dreadnoughts to be <laughs> so go check those out as well guys Going back to his Praetorian Guard, though, the 215th Dauntless. Um, yeah, they huge inspiration for me to start my own stout-hearted Praetorian Guard. <laughs> um, I And to be honest, what I did, what I did with um, his, like I was inspired so much that I actually took his word Dauntless, um, put that into thesaurus.com, and then pressed enter and had a look at the different words meaning dauntless, and I came across stout-hearted, and I thought, yeah, that's cool, and it kind of pays homage to his as well. Um, yeah, huge influence. Um, his are all uh, very classic, but he, I think he's also used Victorian miniature parts. I think, actually, he might have used the Mordian guard bodies. I'm just trying to rack my brain now. 
but use the um, Victoria Miniatures heads, I think, on some of them. Um, but yeah, he's also done, he's gone with a very uh, a steampunkish kind of theme for uh, the vehicles, so like the Chimera. Um, yeah, look that up as well, because it's very steampunky, lots of bolts and, and you know, you can imagine it being like wrought iron and all that kind of thing. Really, really cool stuff. He's done a battle report. A couple of battle reports, I think, for his 215th Praetorian. Um, and one of the best things he's done is he's written a story. So, again, like Wudugast, he is good with a pen. As much as he's good with a paintbrush, he's very good with a pen as well, or, you know, typing. And he's written a, he's written a story called Tale of Eidolon. I think that's the, pro, the right enunciation, not sure. Um, E-I-D-O-L-A-N, Tale of Eidolon, and that's, oh, yeah, yeah. his written word just, it just oozes coolness. <laughs> I, can't, I can't explain it any more than that. But I, for me, I, I find it hard, I think I might have said this before, if a story doesn't grab me within the first chapter or so, maybe two, um, yeah, I kind of, I lose interest. And, you know, it's hard enough as it is to, to keep my focus and interest on any one thing at any one time. Um, but Alex's writing just just draws me in straight away. It's really, really cool. So if you want to go see some great miniatures, great sculpts, like I said, he likes the old school stuff. He's a big fan of the lead miniature, um, but he's not against plastic miniatures, not at all. Um, go check him out, leadballoony.com. Leadballoony, with a Y on the end, Dot com. Um, Alex is, is such a gentleman, always happy to give advice, always commenting on other people's blog posts, very encouraging, and yeah, his work is nothing less than absolutely inspirational. Sergeant, take three of the men and take out that orc truck. But sir, we're out of ammo and only have our combat daggers. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I like your odds then, son. What have I been up to in our beloved hobby? It's more Hellgate, um, working on another war band called the Eternal Scourge. They're all built, so I'm just uh, sort of busy painting them. And yeah, chipping away at a terrain piece as well. I think I might have mentioned this before. Terrain piece for Hellgate called uh, Cemetery of the Gods. It's basically like a um, made from uh, insulation foam. I've done like a, I've carved out a cave and, you know, carved out the terrain and we're going to be attaching a whole bunch of statues to it with a little broken down chapel on top as well. So that's, uh, that's where I'm up to. That's it for episode 15 of Imperial Rebel Orc Podcast. Thank you for listening, and if you can do me a big favor, if you're enjoying the show, then tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who you think might be interested in my humble little podcast, uh, because, yeah, the more the merrier. If you want to go and give me a, a, a review on iTunes, then please do. Um, but don't, you know, don't feel you have to. I get it. We're all busy. Um, and, yeah, who's got time to do such things? <laughs> um, but, yeah. Just you listening means the world to me. So thank you very much, and I'll see you on episode 16. You've been listening to The Imperial Rebel Podcast.